0: Good morning. It is uh, a great delight for me to be with you today. Uh, you always have this delight for uh, Sunday morning, and I always enjoy the, the worship part, but then I usually make my way back to the sanctuary for our traditional service. Um, I can't begin to tell you how thrilled I am to be part of this church family, and I hope that you are. Uh, particularly those of us on staff here that get to serve the Lord through this church family. We see God doing a remarkable work here through the Western Memorial Church family. We see people coming to Christ every week. Uh, we see people finding a renewed spirit, a renewed devotion, a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. We, we see people who uh, really are beginning to yearn for more of the Holy Spirit. They want that more that God has provided for them. You know, we... we we serve a God that's easily pleased but not easily satisfied. Uh, God always wants more for us. Um, and I'm beginning to see people who want that same more for themselves. They're not, they're not satisfied with just the, the status quo. They're not satisfied with uh, living, living a life of mediocrity. They want to find the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their life. And it's, it's, it's so wonderful to be able to see that. And I'm so grateful for all that God's doing here in our church family. Um, This is a remarkable place to be in ministry, Weston Memorial Church. Uh, We are a church that is firmly rooted in that historic stream of Christianity. We are a Christ-centered congregation. Uh, We focus on the Bible. The Bible is our primary authority. It's not what I feel or what we feel or what we think or what the culture around us wants. Uh, We focus on the scripture, that's the primary authority for the Christian faith Um, And we we are trying to intersect with the world around us in so many different ways Uh, We are firmly rooted in that historic faith of the Christian community But we're seeking to make the faith applicable to the world around us today That's why, like this morning, we've already had an Out30 outdoor service It was, I guess, we call it our camp meeting service uh, it's a very informal Protestant worship service and then it's wonderful to be, co- be able to come in here and do what we, what we call contemporary modern worship. And then in the sanctuary at 11 o'clock, um, very traditional, high church, almost Episcopalian Anglican worship because that's part of our tradition. And um, I, I love being able to experience those various styles of worship, uh, same Bible, same gospel in all, all places but different styles of worship because God speaks to us in different, in different ways. And I, 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 love, I love being able to participate and uh, worship with people in very, very different styles. You know, I prefer to see that as a, as a great experience of the richness of the body of Christ. I think some of my friends just think I'm a little schizophrenic, but I, I'm not. Um, I love the different styles of worship. And... Um, it's just a wonderful place to be a minister, and I'm so grateful for you. We see new people every week here at Weston Memorial Church, and we're so grateful for that. So grateful for that. We are continuing our sermon series on uh, the biblical basis of what we have called for almost 2,000 years the Apostles' Creed. The Creed is simply a summary statement of our biblical faith. And uh, sometimes we need to go back to basics. And that's what we're doing this summer, we're going back to basics, and we're looking at those basic core convictions of the Christian faith, and we're um, using the Apostles' Creed to do that. The text that I want us to use this morning is one of those remarkable texts that many of us, if we've been in the Christian faith for a while, we've read many times, it comes from Romans chapter 8. One of those amazing, amazing texts in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul's talking about what life in the Spirit looks like. Uh, he's reminding us in Romans chapter 8 what the Holy Spirit offers us. And I'm going to be reading chapter 8, verses 5 and following. I invite you to turn there in your Bible or on your mobile device or you can just look at the screen. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, because this is such a familiar text, sometimes familiarity not only breeds contempt, but sometimes familiarity breeds boredom, and we don't really hear what the text is saying, so um, maybe this be a fresh hearing for you this morning. Romans chapter 8, beginning of verse 5, and I want you to think about what, what Paul is saying is available to us as Christians. Not because of who we are, but because of the ministry of the Spirit. And I want you to compare your life to what Paul is offering us here. Beginning in verse 5, chapter 8, Paul says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, and that's an option, by the way, Paul believes. He says, if, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. He's talking to the Christian community there in Rome. He's talking to us, Christians. and He says, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then he says, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. The Holy Spirit is he who brings us to Christ. And the Holy Spirit indwells everyone that's come to Christ. And you notice Paul is not giving you the benefit of not only not saying the devil made me do it, but he's not giving you the benefit of even saying, well, you know, I'm only human. Because he says, because you're in Christ, you're not only human. Uh, The Holy Spirit resides in you this same spirit who brought you to Christ. Verse 10, since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit is alive because you have been made right with God, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and just as as he raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by this same spirit living within you. So, dear brothers and sisters, Paul says, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No, the devil made me do it. No, well, you know, I'm only human. Never did like that song by Chris Christopherson, by the way. We're not only human. If we're in Christ, we're human, but we're dwelt with the spirit of God. And he says, you are under no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For you, if you keep on following it, your sinful nature, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it and its evil deeds, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God, Paul says, are children of God. This is, this is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. You know, if I were to ask each one of you right now to um, talk to me about your greatest need right now at this moment in your life, I'd probably get a lot of different answers. Some would have to do with health. Some would have to do with relationships. Some would probably have to do with finances. And those are all serious issues in our lives. So don't hear me minimizing those issues. But... I think part of the job, part of the task of the Christian body is to tell people, help them realize what their greatest need is. It would be interesting to compare what you as Christians would talk about your greatest need being with those out in the world, what they think their greatest need might be. So just think to yourself, what is your greatest need right now? What do you want more than anything else right now? Well, we need to help the world discover this. And the first and most basic greatest need, central need to the human being, is that if you don't know Christ, if you haven't invited Jesus Christ into your life, you need to do that. You need to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You need to invite him by faith to come into your life to take your sins and bear the price for your sins. But at the same time, don't just give him your sins, give him your life. Every area of your life. Every area of your life. If you've not received Christ, that's your greatest need. If you are in Christ this morning, if you're sitting here as a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of the way of Christ, then your greatest need is to learn how to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's the most important thing you need to to find in life. Is how not to live under the circumstances but how to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit how to find the more that God has planned for you the more that God desires for you that's your greatest need right now Um, God has drawn you to Christ and if God has drawn you to Christ the Holy Spirit is residing within you that's what Paul declared a few moments ago But here at the beginning of what I want to speak with you about, and I will come back to this, is this question. As a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? That's the task of the Christian, to yield more and more to the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't just give Jesus your sins. Give Him your life, and that means your entertainment life, your sporting life, your business life, your retirement life, your finances, the list goes on. You need to yield everything in your life to Jesus Christ. You need to receive Him both as Savior and Lord, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each one of us. We need to be very, very clear as to who the Holy Spirit is. Because we're looking at that profession of faith which is central to the Christian community. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We need to be very clear who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. You notice in the creed that you get to that third paragraph. And there are three paragraphs in the creed and hopefully you've noticed those three paragraphs are trinitarian the first paragraphs about god the father almighty the second paragraph is about jesus christ his son that's the longest paragraph the third paragraph is about the holy spirit and i've i've, I've read some very serious uh Uh, New Testament scholars who sometimes will talk about this creed And they'll say something like You know it's indicative of how little we know about the Holy Spirit And that we just in the creed say I believe in the Holy Spirit And that's it But they're not paying attention to the creed That whole third paragraph belongs to the Holy Spirit That whole third paragraph is about what we what we know the Holy Spirit to be doing. You you recall that paragraph that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church, you're going to hear about that next week. That just simply means the holy universal church around the world. Everybody that belongs to Jesus belongs to everybody that belongs to Jesus. So the church, of course, is created and formed by the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the fellowship of saints. That fellowship that we share is Created by the Holy Spirit. The forgiveness of sins. It is the Holy Spirit who makes real in our life the forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. You heard Paul say a few moments ago, the reason we will be physically raised from the dead one day is that Spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwells in us also. And it will raise us from the dead. So in that paragraph... In the Apostles' Creed, you're seeing the work of the Spirit. We need to be clear about what it is the Spirit does. Because the world out there doesn't understand. We have to help them understand what it is that the Spirit does. The Spirit creates. Perhaps you remember those creation stories in Genesis. How the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and brought about creation. How the Spirit of God breathed life into Adam and Eve. So in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that the Spirit of God creates. But then in Genesis 3 through Revelation 22, we see the story of redemption. Not only does the Holy Spirit create, the Holy Spirit recreates us. Both our natures and creation around us is fallen, has rebelled against God. So from Genesis 3 through the end of the book, Revelation 22, we see how God in Christ through the ministry of the Spirit is making all things new, is recreating us. It's the Holy Spirit who brought us to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who regenerated our spirit so that we could receive the new birth and find new life. It is the Holy Spirit who cleanses us. It is the Holy Spirit who frees us from the domination of our uh, sinful nature. It is the Holy Spirit who bears fruit in our lives and gives us gifts for the sake of the body. It is the Holy Spirit who then comforts us, strengthens us, sustains us. In the Gospel of John, in uh, chapters 14, 15, 16... Jesus has a special term for the Holy Spirit. He calls the Holy Spirit, and this is one of those terms, I wish we would just leave it this way in the English translation and tell people to go figure out what this means. But Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete. The paraclete. That simply means one who comes alongside. And that's why in that section of John's Gospel, uh, sometimes paraclete is translated helper, helper. Sometimes it's translated comforter. Sometimes it's translated advocate because the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He is the one who comes alongside to help us, to strengthen us, to comfort us, to help us bear up under the journey, to help us not live under the circumstances but to live above the circumstances. So we need to be clear about what it is the Holy Spirit does just like we need to be clear about who the Holy Spirit is. He accomplishes all these things in our lives and in the world because of who he is. He, he's not just the force. He's not just some mystical power at loose in the world. He is first and foremost a He. He is a one of the persons in the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is a he. It's not an it. Please never refer to the Holy Spirit as not it. It is a he. He is a person. He is a person that we can have a personal relationship with in our lives, just like we do with Jesus Christ. He is the, he is the presence, the spirit of Jesus Christ in our lives. He, he is the one in our midst who makes real to us the transcendent, powerful, holy God. He is the one in our lives that make, makes real to us our experience of the tenderness and the compassion of God. So we need to be clear about who this Holy Spirit is, what this Holy Spirit does, because the world around us doesn't understand this. And if we're a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit residing within us. That is a remarkable gift, a remarkable gift. Just think about that gift for a moment. You know, you might have come in here today being a little beaten down by life. You have the Holy Spirit residing within you. You have the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit have you? That's the goal. That's the trajectory of the Christian life of discipleship. As your pastor, as your friend, as someone who cares about you, the thing I want most in life for you is that you will grow day by day, if not moment by moment, into the fullness of life that the Holy Spirit has for you. It, it, it causes, causes a surrender and abandonment on our part. We have to submit. We have to want what the Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit is um, very much a gentleman in our lives. That's why the Bible says that we can, we can quench the Holy Spirit We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We should be deeply grieved that we ever grieve the Holy Spirit, but we have to want what the Spirit wants in our life. We have to want the more that God has in store for us through the power of the Spirit. When I was nine years old, um, the most glorious day of my life was when someone sat me down and explained to me the gospel, explained to me who Jesus Christ is and how Jesus Christ can can do things for me that I can never do for myself, how Jesus Christ can save me from the penalty and the power of sin, and how Jesus Christ can give me the gift of eternal life. And I I received Jesus Christ when I was nine years old. I invited him to come into my life and to rule and to reign as Lord of my life. I, I had no idea when I was nine years old what all that meant. And then about a decade later when I was 19 years old, Uh, I went away on a retreat into the mountains of western North Carolina. I went away on a retreat with a bunch of um, spirit-filled Presbyterians. There are such. Just like I tell people, there are spirit-filled Methodists out there. There are such. I went away on a retreat with these spirit-filled Presbyterians, and over the course of that long weekend, I began to see that they had something that I wanted I began to see that they not only had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because of our triune God, they had a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. They knew the Holy Spirit as a person in their life that brought vibrancy and vitality to their life. And over the course of that weekend, um, that was the weekend, by the way, when I learned that I had the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit didn't have me i still had too many things i wanted out of life at that point i had a, an agenda and a plan for my life but at that point, when i yielded to the holy spirit and i said spirit i want what you want i have you dwelling my life that matchless gift that jesus gives us but i i want you to have all of me not just my sins i want you to have all of me and the holy spirit will will do that for us the holy spirit is a gentleman We have to invite the Holy Spirit in. We have to keep inviting the Holy Spirit in. We've got to not fear whatever it is the Holy Spirit has for us. So when we stand with the historic church around the world and say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I hope that you understand we're dealing with dynamite there. And the word dynamite from the New Testament Greek uh, comes from a word in the New Testament Greek that means power. Power. And it's usually in the New Testament referencing the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you understand when you stand and profess, I believe in the Holy Spirit. You are, you are, you are handling the power of God in your life. And He wants so much for you. And my, my prayer for you is that you will want the more, the so much more that the Holy Spirit wants for you. You have the Holy Spirit. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. He's the one that brought you to the faith. But does the Holy Spirit have all of you? I'm going to invite Pastor Clark up. He's going to pray. He's going to lead you in communion. My prayer is this will be a holy fellowship, a holy communion with the presence of Jesus Christ, who's right here in this place right now through the power of the Holy Spirit.